Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Elaine B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Wednesday, March 14th, 2018. Today we're reading from the big book on Chapter 3, more about alcoholism, and we're on page 37, reading the third paragraph, which begins with, in some circumstances, we have. Today's readers are Athena B. for the 12 Steps, Pia S. for the 12 Traditions, Ashley P., Julie E.B., and Penny L.C. The reference number for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting yesterday, Tuesday, March 13th, is 11,156. That's 11156. The reference number for this morning's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting for Wednesday, March 14th is 11,161. That's 11161. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. As a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Athena B. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you very much, Athena B. And I will now ask Pia S. to please read the 12 Traditions. 
Good morning, Elaine. Um, this is PIS, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Here are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other, other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous <clears throat> should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversies. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks for letting me do service, and I'll pass. Thank you, P.S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To, pray, to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in chapter three, more about alcoholism on page 37. And we're reading and sharing on the third paragraph, which begins within some circumstances. I will ask Ashley P. to please begin reading. Hi, this is Ashley P. Recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry depression, jealousy, or the like. 
But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. And I'm just going to set my timer. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm really grateful to um, be doing service this morning and really grateful to be reading uh, this passage. So, um, again, we're, we're talking about the, the mental twist. Um, so I have both a physical allergy that um, when I put certain substances in my body, um, I, I always want to eat more of them. And for me, also, when I engage in certain behaviors, um, for me, that includes um, weighing myself and, and behaviors like eating in bed. Um, but then I also have the mental twist, which is um, a voice inside my brain that says, eat and, and it will be okay. Um, whatever you're feeling, it will be okay. And I like the beginning of this paragraph because what are the things that need to be okay? Why, what is not okay? Oops, that was wrong. Um, and, and it's the feelings of um, nervousness, anger, worry, depression, and, and jealousy. Um, so all of, all of these emotions that I have that, I, that my brain tells me if I eat, um, I'll feel better. Um, and I, I really like this insanely insufficient um, because if I play the tape forward then um, and I, I think about what always happens eventually always happens when I eat or in, engage in in these behaviors um, I I end up deeply deeply in my character defects and unfortunately it isn't until much later down the road that I have any awareness that because I've begun putting sugar in my body, eating in um, non-abstinent ways, that that's the thing that started off all of these emotions, like for me, um, eventually feeling suicidal. Um, and the fourth step has been really helpful in in looking at um, at all of the places that I ended up as a result of eating, but I'm not going to know that those things are going to happen because my brain's going to say it's, it's going to be okay. And um, it won't be until much later that I realize that these things have to do with the way that I'm eating. So if my brain keeps telling me to do the same thing over and over again, um, then, then I need a solution for that. And, and that solution is the steps. They give me the pause that says that's crazy and, and to try and do something differently. Um, so uh, I'm really grateful for, for guidance and um, a, a plan of action for dealing with my crazy brain that also works every time. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Ashley P. Who'd like to comment on that paragraph today? Curious. Sherry S. Anybody else? Julie E.B. Julie E.B. Kathy Jo P. Kathy Jo P. Gen Z. 
Gen Z. Anyone else? Well, let's start with this. Sherry, I'm not sure if you said F or S, but you can clear that up when you share in just a moment. Then we'll have Julie um, E.B., Kathy Jopi, and then Gen Z. Please go ahead, Sherry. Good morning. It's Carrie S. in Colorado. Oh, oh no my goodness. Thank no you. No worries. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Start my timer. Uh, so grateful to be on the lines this morning and um, recovered, living in the sunlight of the spirit. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. And um, this paragraph talked to me about the the alibis that my my disease wants to tell me. It's okay. It's okay. And um, I like somebody said that the voice that tells me it's okay to eat is the same voice in my head that tells me recovery is the path that and so um the the line but even in this type of beginning we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely sufficient in the light of what always happened the word insanely i've been taught just means that i am less than whole that a broken brain can't fix a broken brain that um that it's that the, my brain is really flawed. That's the the greater defect of my of the men, of the double whammy is is my mind, my thinking, and so I have to be really careful. My experience, um, and it was only about a year ago. One of my best friends um, fell in love, and I was so excited for her. And I'm driving home, and I'm I'm just like elated, absolutely elated, and I and I'm so getting the mental twist is getting rolling in my mind. And I'm calling a couple members saying I'm there's nobody at my house and I, I can tell I want to eat and, and I'm making 10, 10 step calls like crazy. And sure enough, what do I do? I, I ate over it. I ate over excitement. So, you know, yes, this paragraph is telling us that we can eat over anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or excitement or elation. So I, I have to be really careful that I don't justify or I'm going to eat deliberately. And, um, and I'm going to eat with premeditated plans. It's, it, there was no slipping. It was entirely premeditated. So um, I heard at a meeting the other day, a woman was saying, I'm an emotional eater. Um, I'm a chronic relapser. To me, those are alibis. Those are justifications. If, if, that's where my brain is going. Um, I'm not taking step one entirely. I have to admit my powerlessness that I am a compulsive overeater. I was born this way. I'm always going to be this way. And so if you are new on the line and you're watching yourself do these insanely insufficient justifications, these are warnings that the book is telling us, warnings galore. And there is recovery. There is hope in these rooms. And so I'm so grateful to be on the line today with you all. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Carrie S. Julie E.B., you're up next, followed by Kathy Jo P. Hi, this is Julie E.B., uh, gratefully recovered in Colorado. And um, just so grateful to everyone who does service on this line. Um, so grateful to see uh, my face-to-face meeting as well, just uh, growing uh, in strength and in numbers and in recovery. 
uh, as it's been touched by the service on this line. Um, this is an amazing section for me. In some circumstances, <laughs> just some, we have gone out to be del deliberately uh, to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified. And when I looked up the word justified, it says done for a legitimate reason. Uh, sometimes life happens. And so we do. We feel justified. Uh, some people, uh, and myself included, have faced tragedy, difficulty, stress. Um, but more interesting was the definition uh, that came from the printing world. Justification um, in the printing world is adjusting the print to fit the space. Um, and so um, that's what I would do. I would adjust the print. Uh, to fit the space that I had, uh, and that was that space in my soul uh, that needed to be filled with the other definition of justified, which is to be made right by my higher power, um, to be made right by a power greater than myself. And so when I tried to adjust the nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, um, when I tried to adjust this in, uh, then I had to fit the food in there as well. Uh, but when I could bring it to my higher power, and, and as I was beginning in suffering, it would really mean reaching out to someone else. And so, um, you know, being on those outreach calls or staying on the meeting for five or ten minutes and getting those newcomer phone numbers and hearing someone, maybe they're just a week behind uh, where you're at in your recovery, um, or maybe uh, someone will call you um, as you uh, reach out. Um, this is this is an amazing thing to prevent this whole what is it called a period of premeditation, and for me that's that emotional uh, marination uh, in my feelings, uh, in my hopelessness, uh, in my despair, and so now I have a different way. I can have this whole made right by my higher power by reaching out with others and sharing uh, what is disturbing and focusing on just my part uh, as the serenity prayer says, the courage to change the things I can and, and, and letting go of the things I can't. So I'm very grateful and uh, hope that those who are struggling and suffering in these emotions uh, will reach out rather than engage in a period of premeditation. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Julie E.B. Kathy Joe P, you're up next, followed by Jen Z. Hello, this is Kathy Joe P, a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. And for me, what this meant, deliberately going out to drink, was that I didn't have any choice. I was powerless. I couldn't even try anymore. And my deliberate out to drink was about 22 years and as I continued that delivered deliberately out to drink I was pregnant I was a mom it was hard I was tired I couldn't lose weight anyway so for me what this just speaks about is more about my powerlessness and being at a bottom and giving up hope and often people like me would have ended up dead. And I have said this before, but it is a miracle 
that I no longer think about my mortality. My dad died at age 49 of a heart attack, which I believe was a combination of compulsive overeating and rage. And I was following perfectly in his footsteps. And thank God that a crack of sunlight came in and hope for me that there was another way to do this. And I started to get better and get on this path when I was in such a desperate place. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kathy Jo P. Gen Z, you're up next. Star one to unmute, Jen. Gen Z. Hi, this is Gen Z. Can you hear me? Ah, yes, I hear you now. Thank you, Jen. Great. Thank you. This is Gen Z from Kentucky. I am 10 days into entire abstinence after a two-month spree. And um, so this going out deliberately to get drunk is very fresh in my mind. Um, About two weeks ago, my husband was in the hospital for a week and I had a lot of emotions that I did not know what to do with. And well, I did know what to do with them. I I ate over them. Um, And so what I do is I tell my family that I had to go to my car out in the parking lot um, and my kids would want to come with me and I'd make an excuse for them not to come. And I would take a little ride down the street and binge on a hot fudge sundae. And really all it took was just a fleeting thought I'd be sitting down in the room, in the hospital room with them, and just the thought of a Sunday was enough to make up a lie, grab my keys, go down, and get a hot food Sunday and eat it like a mad woman on the way back into the hospital so that no one would see. And I just admitted this to my husband um, a few days ago because he had no idea. And the thing that stood out for me in this paragraph is we now see. Okay, I can now see the absurdity in that. And the only reason I can see that is because I'm 10 days in to entire abstinence. I am not uh, indulging in sugar or flour, and I'm no longer indulging in volume. I'm weighing and measuring my food. And I'll tell you, it seems like the clouds are finally parting, and I can see the behaviors that I didn't realize were you know, compulsive behaviors back then, but I can see the behaviors um, that were causing my problems. It it was entire abstinence, and it is all of you on the line. It is this wonderful um, blue book, uh, big book, that's, that's helping me see, finally see for the first time, the insanity in my... Um, eating behaviors and, and, and when I would deliberately make excuses to go out and eat, I would make excuses to go out in my car and not have my kids around so that I could purposely go to eat food that I had told them in the past was unhealthy for them. And I didn't want to be a hypocrite in front of them. I'd rather be a hypocrite behind their back. Um, and I can tell, and I can, and I realized the first time that this all changed for me was when I made an excuse to go pick up some ingredient at the grocery store, which I really didn't need, so I can binge on a chocolate-covered donuts. And I was sitting there in the cafe watching the TV in, in the 
um, grocery store binging on donuts. And my friend called to chat. And I just blurted out, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm sitting down and I'm binging on chocolate-covered donuts. You know, and her, and her reaction is not important, but the fact that I was able to admit it was my first step in recovery because I used to do that in the dark. I would isolate myself and I would do what I need to do. Thank you very much. Um, and I would do what I needed to do to get my fix. Um, and so that was, I think, the first step for me to, to recover was me admitting it, putting it out into, into the light. And thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you very much, Jen Z. So for those who um, who joined us a little later, we're commenting on page 37 of Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, the third paragraph that begins with, in some circumstances we have. Just the one paragraph today. Who would like to comment on that paragraph? Tina S. Tina S. Marcella M. Pia S. Marcella M. Pia S. Sorry about that. Terry H. Terry H. Carrie H. I heard Marcella and Carrie H. Kathleen O. Jim Okay. Rebecca T. I missed that last name. I heard Rebecca and somebody just before Rebecca. Someone K. Chevy K. Chevy K. Chevy K. And I think we have time for one more. Lucy E. Lucy E. Okay. Hopefully we'll be able to fit everybody in. So I have Pia S. Marcella. I need your last initial. Uh, Carrie H. Kathleen O. Jim T. Chevy K. Rebecca. Also need your last initial. And Lucy E. P.S. Please go ahead. Thank you so much, Elaine. This is P.S., a recovered compulsive reader um, calling in from Florida. And um, I really wanted to comment on this paragraph today because this is, you know, uh, what happens to me when I have been abstinent for a while. I I feel like I feel better. Um, I I don't have like I don't have that much anxiety anymore but then suddenly I start to feel all these feelings because even though I'm abstinent I will will start feeling feelings because I'm not recovered yet so I feel nervousness I feel anger I feel worry depression and jealousy and 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 then I want to eat again and and I don't think about the consequences of my eating then then I'm like, I've forgotten about all of them. I forget about that I am hurting my daughter. I'm hurting my husband. I'm hurting my friends. And I'm gaining weight and I'm getting, you know, I'm gaining more and more weight and I feel terrible. So I forget about those consequences. But when I feel all of these, you know, emotions, I need to do a step 10. I need to um, um, I need to to work the steps. I need to um, block unblock my connection with God. I need to reach out to someone that can you know help me through all of these uh, emotions, or else I will eat. So that was my solution before. Now I have the steps. I can work the steps and then get help with all of these emotions that will come up. They will come up because I am a human being and uh, I am insane. Uh, 
in my thinking a lot of the times. I think that I can eat because I'm angry or if I'm worried or if I'm depressed or jealous, but I can't do that. I'm not a normal person. I need, I'm a compulsive overeater, so I need to to work the steps so I have the, uh, and the, the steps will provide me with the tools that I need to recover and and deal with all of these emotions. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Pia S. Marcella, may we please have the first initial of your last name before you share, and you'll be followed by Carrie H. It's M, M and M, Marcella M. Thank you. Um, Marcella um, M, a recovered composer over either happy, joyous, and free. I love this chapter. I love this chapter on masking the mental obsession, which is like the really big problem, right? Because, yeah, I know that I'm allergic to X, Y, and Z, but that's not the problem. The problem is that I always make eloquent, beautiful, poetic, mystical um, justifications to um, eat again, just a little bit, because I'm recovered, I've been skinny for a long time, I look really good, and it's been like seven years in a chunk, so a little bit won't hurt me this time. But all of those eloquent arguments are always in insanely, insanely insufficient in the light of what always happens. And for as long as I read this book and I read it with others, then I won't forget. That's the thing, right? This is like the Cinderella dress. Like it disappears. All my beautiful recovery, my beautiful state of recovery disappears, vanishes in midnight. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm a compulsive overeater. And then I have to um, join with you and study the big book with my sponsees and then and then I have my beautiful dress again, and then it vanishes again at midnight. So it's a daily, daily, daily drill. But I have a, um, a sponsee. Yesterday we were having fun calculating how long does it take to be recovered <laughs> on a daily basis, right? Like we were thinking, like, well, you go to the meeting, and you listen to the recording, and then you sponsor some people, and then you pray, meditate, pack your food, weigh and measure. But how long does it take? So we were calculating that in his case and my case, is between an hour and a half and two hours daily. I, the way that I see it is still a really good investment. Two hours of recovery, it gives me 22 hours of total freedom. And that's the way I live my life, in complete freedom, freedom from the mental obsession, freedom from the, the, the horrible physical allergy. I thought I was doomed to a hungry, morbid obesity. That was my destiny, being morbidly obese and hungry. Instead, I'm awake, thank you, God. I am free. I'm not hungry. I'm in my weight. I'm a size four. And I feel the connection with my higher power and with you. And I have the chance to do something useful with my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Marcella M. Uh, Carrie H., you're up next, followed by Kathleen O. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, bulimic, anorexic in North Carolina. Uh, very grateful for recovery today. Um, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. You know, when I was in my disease, you know, I could justify eating, um, purging, and restricting, you know, my life experiences. Um, I could use any one of them. Uh, to bring it up and you know it, 
for me, I would hold everything in and thinking that purging was a way of my releasing all of that uh, nervousness, anger, worry, depression, um, all those feelings. And, you know, just that justification, you know, once I put that food in my mouth, I just would keep eating and keep eating and keep eating, thinking, you know, that I, it was okay. You know, and I never, I never really thought about the consequences, ever. Um, you know, in recovery today, you know, I know I have an allergy to certain foods. And when I put those foods in my body, I just cannot stop. Um, the physical um, craving for those foods kick in. Now, working these steps, you know, putting those foods down and working these steps is a way that I work on my insane, insufficient mind, you know, the mental obsession. And um, working through that process with my sponsor, you know, helps relieve that mental obsession. Food thoughts, you know, do come up. You know, I, I, I am reminded that, you know, even Bob, it took him a couple of years um, to, you know, work on those uh, drinking thoughts for himself. But my work today, you know, when those thoughts come up, my work today is to expand that gap between the thought and the action, or the thought of taking the action. And by doing that, in doing that work is when I, you know, expand my spiritual experience. I work on my conscious contact with God. I do the work. I, you know, um, make the phone calls. I bring light to it by sharing it with someone else. And, and by doing all those things in the work and working my program, I'm expanding that gap between the thought and the action. And, you know, the more, the more work I do and the more actions I take in my program, the less likely I'm going to pick up that food or I'm going to purge or I'm going to restrict. And, you know, I'm really grateful that I have that opportunity today. And just the clarity, just the clarity to even work on Terry and work and work on life and, and life's issues today. I'm just really grateful for that. It doesn't mean things always go well in my life. You know, there, there are struggles um, in relationships and work and, you know, just everyday life things. But today I have, you know, the, the clarity and the tools and the um, support from a higher power and other recovered people to help work and I'm just really grateful for that today. And uh, thank everybody for sharing on the line. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Terry H. Kathleen No, you're up next, followed by Jim T. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you for your service this morning. And um, a good morning to everyone on the line. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, Kathleen O, recovered compulsive overeater in Northern California. So in some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. And, you know, my thinking will always tell me over and over that it's going to be okay. Um, when things aren't going my way, when people are not doing or saying what I want them to do or say, uh, my day's not going the way I want it to, anger, worry, jealousy, you know, actually the day can be going well. And I'll, you know, the ism of this disease, you know, um, my solution is a spree, you know, a binge to splurge. Um, you know, the answer 
is on page 88 to all of this. We pause throughout the day, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement. Fear, anger, worry, self-pity, making decisions will regret. Because all of those circumstances will make me justify eating something and telling myself it's going to be okay. And what does okay look like? Self-hatred, self-loathing, you know, pounding on the bar. How did I get here again? I have so many memories of that. And the truth is the binge food burns us over and over again. And left to our own devices, you know, we can't remember what it does to us, but we do remember what it does for us. It brings that ease and comfort that comes at once by taking the bite. So all action really is born in, born in thought, you know. I can believe the lie. And what restores us? A power greater than ourselves. And that power is deep down in every one of us. And it's a matter of, you know, tapping into it and enlarging on it daily, working these steps. And um, it's true. It's like we put work into this, but we have a lot of the day left with some freedom and joy. That is so much better than spending the entire day obsessing about food and thinking about it and all of that. So thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you very much, Kathleen O. Jim T., you're up next, followed by Sherry K. Hi, this is Jim. I think it was Jim M. I just oh, want Jim to clarify. M. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, so Jim M., compulsive overeater, uh, Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Sorry, not shoveling snow right now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, I'm going to use this as an opportunity from the reading to you know, just call myself out. Um, I'm very proud of the growth and what I've done, but I did have, you know, two slips yesterday. And it was based off of, as I've, you know, heard, you know, so many inspirational messages uh, this morning, but just that, you know, my my mental affliction can be positive from positive energy and negative energy that, you know, I could get overexcited and, you know, and, and, uh, the best thing that I can do is know that I can forgive myself, which I have. I have my steps to fold back to. Um, I have a lot of ground that I should still be proud of. But I have people like all of you that, that love me no matter what, just like my higher power does. So I'm not alone. Um, this is something that I've reflected on, and and I'm going to write about it, and I'm going to start a new day. and. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back after it again, but, you know, I'm just calling myself out on it and, uh, thank you guys for, you know, being here and, uh, being inspiring, no matter what, what we're all facing, you all inspire me. So, uh, onward and upward. So thank you. I pass. Thank you very much for your honesty, Jim. And, and there's a solution. Glad you're here. Sherry, I believe it's Sherry KB that is up next and then Rebecca. Hi, it's a Chevy K. Oh, Chevy K. I'm sorry, I can't even read my own writing, Chevy. <laughs> my no apologies. Problem. Please go ahead. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, everyone, for your service, and thank you, everyone, from on the line for your encouragement and inspiration every day. It helps so much with my recovery. And um, I want to say that usually I have a whole bunch of notes written down before I share. Um, but today I just felt inspired to share from my heart. So I'm really going to lean into God to guide my words. And hopefully I get the right words across to share my experience, strengths, 
strength and hope. Please, God. Um, so I've been doing everything perfect in program. I've been a perfect recovered fellow. I was on C. I do service. I do my 11 steps. I'm on my 11 step train. And um, I do everything right. And yesterday was a star day. Um, the past few days, um, perfect. Um, and all of a sudden yesterday, I was just swept up in nervousness, anger, worry, depression, and jealousy. It just hit me. It was all-encompassing. And I couldn't understand why. I mean, I had done all the right work. I did three-step tens yesterday. Why was I being hit by this? Um, and aside from the fact that I realized this is part of my disease, um, my disease now knows that I'm not going to go directly to the food. Um, but if it hits me with nervousness, anger, worry, depression, or jealousy, maybe that's the way in. Um, and that's what hit me. Um, and that's what overcome me. Um, but I didn't know what to do with all of that. And I just want to share that, um, you know, I was talking with my sponsor this morning. And, um, you know, I was expressing to her all these resentments and these, these emotions that I suddenly had around my daughter, my husband, my sister, and how do I sort it out? And she said to me, Chevy Kay, you've taken your will back. And that's why you're feeling all of these things. You are in your own will all over again. And you are like the actor. You want people to be behaving as you have scripted, and they are not. So you are in your will all over again. Um, and she said, I don't know why this is happening. It's happening in multiples, why you have to have three struggles instead of just one or half of one. But God is stretching you. God is stretching you to do better and to reach higher heights. Um, and, you know, aside from the work that I'm going to do around this today, um, which is to identify each one of my character defects um, in each one of these resentments and how I'm going to live in the opposite according to my relationship ideal um, that I did um, in step six. Aside from that, I'm going to set my alarm every hour. Um, and as I'm doing the work, just pray to God. Please, God, have me live in acceptance and surrender to you so that I can do your will. And please show me the way. And I'm going to pray on that every single hour. And I just wanted to share this because I think it's um, so important to share Gentle our reminder. strength and hope on our struggles as well as our successes. And thank you all for listening. And have a beautiful, blessed day. And I'll pass. Well, thank you very much, Chevy Kay. Rebecca, may we please have the first initial of your last name um, as you share, and you'll be followed by Lucy E. Hi, it's Rebecca T. from Central California. Thank you. Hi, uh, grateful in recovery. Um, thank you all for your share. Thank you for your honesty. Um, it's so wonderful to know that I'm not alone. Um, I learn so much from these meetings every morning. Um, so back to the quote of circumstances we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified um, by all of these feelings. Um, yeah, I definitely, I, I always felt justified um, when I went to those uh, 
and went to the food for all the feelings. And yeah, it was it was feelings that, that range anywhere from extreme happiness to extreme sadness to to anxiety to fear and anger. And um, you know, most of the time, I knew exactly what I was doing, and I um, I also knew what the consequences were. And part of that mind said, "Who cares?" or it doesn't matter. Or, um, interestingly enough for me, I was saying, well, it's like I was superhuman or something. I said, well, you know, this won't happen to me. Or even as um, I started getting older, it did start happening to me in terms of the uh, health ramifications. And it's like I would say, well, that's okay, I can handle it. Or that's okay, I'll only have it while I'm, you know, into the eating, and then once I get back, quote, to my good ways, then then I know I can get rid of it again. So, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy justification. And um, uh, so now in the solution, um, even if, so there's still, you know, food thoughts that creep in my mind. Um, uh, but... And of course, I'd love them to just not do that. But when they do, I I keep remembering. I remember uh, the sayings. I remember what people say. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, there must be some feelings I haven't resolved or there must be something going on with me today. And so, uh, you know, it's it's 7.42 right now. And um, up until, from the time I woke up till now, I think I've done three amends. Um, like, I mean, three, like three ten steps. And, you know, part of me could be frustrated, but <laughs> another part is I'm just, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful that I did that rather than I didn't think about food at all. I noticed right away I had feelings of, you know, anger or agitation with my husband or, um, you know, I was frustrated because he didn't do the laundry and I had no socks. Oh my God! But I, I noticed it right away, and uh, yeah, and instantly I was like, oh, got into my own will, and oh, you know, I would whatever, I would make sure someone else had laundry, blah 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 blah. Anyway, the moment I started thinking that, I found a pair of socks, and you know, I gave it up, and I said that's okay. You know, people don't go out of their way to not get things done, and um, and I just went back into what I needed to do, and embracing life and love and getting back into Gentle my program reminder. and i with that I'll, I'll pass thank you so much oh thank you very much rebecca t lucy e you're up next okay thank you so yep. much for your service to everybody being out there can you hear me yeah thank you okay great yeah i am i'm returning from being away from oa a long time and I, I've been going on to the 7 a.m. meeting and listening to recordings from that meeting. And what I'm noticing is that the people sharing, they believe in themselves. It's like in the doctor's opinion. And they, in addition to believing in themselves, they believe in this higher power that's going to take them out of the gates of hell. And as I hear this, I justify in my mind that because I'm in mourning, because it's been such a long time and I made a mess of my life as far as my food is concerned, that I deliberately engage in a dick, that that's okay. I justify that I can, because I'm in mourning, I could justify addictive behaviors. And I, you know, it's, that's insane. But I heard someone on the 7 a.m. meeting talking about living insanity. And she said, it's such a good place to be that she's in insanity. It's good. It's a good place. She separated the word 
And I was listening to her, and it's actually gone over and over in my mind this week about that I can live in sanity, that I can be okay if I focus on doing what the big book says. So for today, I'm just going to pray and ask God, which I've already done, but I want to do it throughout the day, to take off uh, from me these thoughts that are not necessary. You know, because I can be honest, I am powerless. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you very much, um, Lucy E. And we just have a minute or so left. And so I'd just like to comment on this. This is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts. And I so remember when I was doing the steps with my sponsor, and she said something that took me a long time to get. She said, you know, a good day is when I wake up in the morning and everything goes just fine. And um, at the end of the day, I'm I'm abstinent and I'm sane. That's a good day. She said, a great day is when I wake up and everything goes wrong. Um, I have one challenge after another. And at the end of the day, I'm abstinent and sane. And so I had a day like that on Saturday. It was a 15, 10-step day. And you know what? I made it past the rocky, scary part of the mountain. And I got up there. So those things that used to cause me to justify a binge, to justify how much I deserved it, now is an opportunity for me to grab hold and climb a little further, to get a little further in my recovery. And I'm so grateful that I'm not out there on the edge of the cliff all alone. I am linked to a very strong network, a very strong community of people that can help me in my recovery that I found through this meeting. I I have a strong rope that holds me, which are these steps that keeps me tethered to a higher power. That rope keeps me close to God. And my higher power wants me close. That's why I have the privilege of being a compulsive overeater. And um, I'll pass with that. And I just want to thank everybody who has shared today. We're going to transition the meeting by reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Julie E.B. please read uh, on page 164, a vision for you? Julie E.B., star one to unmute. Yeah, hi, this is Julie E.B., Gratefully Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will continually disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you shall surely meet us, some of us, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. 
until then. <laughs>